Let's fucking go, man. Let's fucking go. Uh, that game, very, very nerve-wracking. Uh, but before we get to it, welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. Tonight, we got to see the Cleveland Cavaliers take on the always dangerous Philadelphia 76, uh, 76ers, who are, of course, led by reigning MVP Joel Embiid. Uh, now, coming off of the victory over the defending champion Denver Nuggets, in which Cleveland managed to take Nikola Jokic out of his L. I was really curious to see how they would deal with Embiid considering he has obliterated Cleveland in his past outings against this squad. Uh, Heading into tonight's matchup, Embiid had been averaging damn near 26 points, 12 rebounds and 4 assists against us while boasting an 11-7 record, right? He and the 76ers have managed to win 6 of their last 7 against the Cavs and overall just gave uh you know cleveland uh, everything they could handle right and just like every other game this season the Cavs did not come into this game healthy no donovan mitchell who's missed his third straight game i believe no karis lavert uh still no isaac Okora out there no ty jerome uh but what's new right next man up that's the mentality that we continuously have to give ourselves and it's paying off boy is it uh, literally just saw them overcome all of this against Denver. So why couldn't it happen again tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers? Well, it did. For the second straight game, Cleveland threw down with a supposed title contender in emerge. Victorious. No thanks to the refs. What the fuck was that? I'm so tired of this officiating. Anytime the Cavs breathed on Joel Embiid, foul. Breathe their same air, foul. Get in their same general uh, vicinity, foul. Just continuously calling fouls. I was so fed up with it, guys. But obviously, Cleveland walked away with a 122 to 119 victory. Ecstatic. Couldn't be any more ecstatic about tonight's victory. Again, back-to-back victories against title contenders. This was a big-time win, despite not having your best player (laughs) Tune in one sports already down here. You're on the same page as I am. Refs didn't want to foul and beat out. They never do. What the fuck is that, man? I'm just, I'm sick of it. Guy gets an atrocious whistle. Guys, how do you play against an opponent like that? Especially a big man who can basically just body his way inside. And as soon as he's touched, they're giving him bullshit foul calls. I'm tired of it. But I say all that. And even with that being said, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen were wonderful tonight. I don't want to hear not one bit of slander against the likes of Jared Allen because he performed his ass off tonight when it mattered most, in my opinion. This man, 35 minutes, 26 points, 13 boards, three assists on that. He moved the ball very well. I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But 12 of 20 from the field. And this is one of those games, just like against Nikola Jokic, this is going to help him beat those soft allegations, right? We, we don't want to talk about, you know, matchups against Miles Turner or Chet, you know, Holmgren. We're talking about big boys and Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, guys who can go out there and get physical with you and move your ass out the way. And obviously those are two MVP caliber players right there that Jared Allen has actually fared pretty damn well against. So Jared Allen, very, very good game from him tonight. Uh, it, the stat sheet is not going to say that in regards to a plus minus standpoint because he was a, a minus six on the night. But man, it his play, his play, you just cannot tell me 
that this guy wasn't missed or that he is not vital to this team because since he's been back, this Cavs defense has actually started to get a grip, right? They started to really function very, very well on that end of the floor despite some uh, inconsistencies, right? Despite some inconsistencies. K-Dude says down here, uh, it wasn't even close, in my opinion, with a fair whistle. Allen outplayed Embiid, absolutely vital. You are 1,000% fucking correct, K-Dude. Jared Allen, this is a game where you you look at the tape and you say to yourself, hmm, yeah, this is one that you look to emulate against this type of matchup in the future. It, just excellent performance from Jared Allen. But, man, Jared wasn't even the player of the game, in my opinion. I, I, I said this was going to be a 40-minute uh, Greg Porter Jr. love fest, basically. And, man, I got to give it to the kid because this dude, back-to-back plays of the game, right? We do not win that fucking game without Craig Porter Jr. One, getting in there, muscling his way inside, moving and beat out the way, saying, All right, this is my fucking game. This is my team right now. I won the game, right? He goes up and gets in beat, gets that incredibly tough layup, and then he dishes out for the pass, right? Back-to-back place. That dude won us the game. Nothing, as Noah Heritage says down here, nothing to dislike about Craig Porter Jr. So here's the thing. I just want to pull his stats up real quick because I think I have them uh, pulled up here. Just give me just a second to grab those. But yeah, Porter, man, he's he's been absolutely wonderful. And what more can you ask out of this guy outside of the three-point shot? That's basically it. The three-point shot is really the only thing that you could complain about in regards to uh, Craig Porter Jr. Because obviously, when you're taking a look at his last three games, this is his last three games, right? 15 points, 3.3 rebounds, sixth assist, 60.7% from the field, 100% from the free throw line, might I add. You know, I continuously bring Carter's name up into this because Carter, you know, when we were watching that game, I forget who the opponent was against, uh, but he, he continuously missed his free throws. He's been 100% from the free throw line. And the best part about this, my friends, less than one turnover per game. This motherfucker is so cool, so calm, so collected with the basketball in his hands. He's got a hell of a handle on him, too. Very, very underrated handle. And it, when he's when he's dribbling, you know, when he's penetrating inside and whatnot, getting in there, you're not you, – he, he doesn't appear to be the quickest guy out there. But he just he, – he, he's – it's uncanny, his ability to knife his way inside and, he, and fight through contact. That's what's impressed me perhaps the most about him. You know, in the presence of, you know, a lack thereof of a perimeter shot, because I still don't think Craig has actually attempted a three this season. I could be mistaken uh, in regards to that. I'm going to have to double check, but I don't actually think Craig has attempted one three point shot this year. His three point percentage is literally zero. And as the stats, you know, he's attempted one. He's attempted one, at least one. That's it. But it hasn't fucking mattered. It hasn't mattered because he's a yeah, okay, dude. I just checked. He's attempted one, but that shit hasn't mattered because he's able to get inside at will. He's able to basically this is the thing. If you guys haven't checked this out, I put some content out on him the other day. And the same thing holds true that I said in that video. The defense is still face guarding him, right? 
they're still face guarding him. He is technically spacing the floor by virtue of that. They're not sagging off of him because he is constantly moving with the ball, uh, with the ball in his hands and without the ball. He's constantly on the move, very much like Max Struess has been to start this season. But I have I, I can't say anything bad about Porter at this point in time because this dude, he's doing it all. The only thing that he does not have in his bag right now is that three-point shot, and he does. there does seem to be a little bit of hesitancy there. But I'll look past that because he's been able to impact it, uh, impact the game in so many other ways, whether it be on the defensive end. Yes, Dr. Claw 77, I just mentioned that. He had a huge bucket late in the game. That shit, man, I just – I don't even know what – words to use to describe Craig Porter Jr. Because it's not like we're talking about a first-round pick here. Hell, we're not even talking about a second-round pick like Monty Bates or something. We are literally talking about an undrafted rookie. We are talking about an undrafted rookie out here. And this this dude, he plays with the poise of a 10-year veteran out there orchestrating the offense. Yes, K-Dude down here says, plays like a vet. Couldn't say it any better if I tried. He plays like he's been in the league for some time now. And you see some, some tenured vets out there who aren't, who aren't on his level in terms of poise with the basketball in their hands. He's just making plays that he has no business making out there this early into his career. And as you guys heard them say on the broadcast, right? And you guys have heard me say this about a gazillion times since we picked him up. That time at the collegiate level, five years between Wichita State and the JUCO that he was at prior to that, that helped him mature his game. Many players coming into the NBA, they they had they they haven't been in environments for a sustained period of time where they can actually hone their skills. Right? They they're they're, they're not able to work on their games the way that Craig Porter Jr. has been able to. And it's, you can tell how much it's benefited him. Now, let's make no mistake here, right? Craig is obviously the beneficiary of the fact that there is no Donovan Mitchell out there. There's no Karis LeVert out there. Ty Jerome ain't out there. Ricky Rubio's a fucking afterthought right now. Um, you know, God bless, right? I, I hope everything's going okay with him. But if anything that we've seen out of Craig, right, if it's one thing that we've seen from him, it's that the Cavs are in good hands come rain or shine, right? Whether Ty Jerome comes back, uh, you know, anytime soon or Ricky Rubio decides to call it a career, the Cavs backup point guard situation is resolved. And it's been resolved in a surefire fashion, right? This, this dude is, he's got next. He's got next. Um, <clears throat> As NSPR8 says down here, CPJ9 deserves a contract. I said it last game. I said it last game. If they don't fucking convert his contract after tonight, I'm I'm I don't even fucking know what to do. <laughs> I'm gonna scream. I swear. Get this dude in the everyday rotation. And it's not exactly like they're in a situation where they could end up losing him, right? Because they still they have him on that two A. If they really wanted to, I suppose that they could string this thing out a little longer and you know allow him to field some time at the G League level, which we still haven't seen him play one minute with the Cleveland Charge yet. If that tells you anything that they feel like he's ready, but once all these other guys come back, right? Um, you know, once Karras comes back and gets his full complement of minutes, once Donovan Mitchell comes back, what does this all look like? 
once Isaac Okoro comes back, what? how does this factor into the rotation, right? Because as of right now, in my mind, this is just me, right? Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, those obviously the starting five, let's just say we'll call a spade a spade here. The starting five is as sure bet as you can get, right? Darius, Donovan, Struess, Evan, Allen. That's your starting five. Karis LeVert is your bona fide sixth man. Uh, he's going to be a sixth man of the year contender. You're going to not, you're not not going to play him, so he'll be out there. You know, Niang, he's been playing better as of late. He had a pretty good game tonight on the offensive side. I'll talk about him here in a little bit. Um, those are your first seven. And, you know, Isaac Coro, right, in my opinion, Isaac has to stay in the rotation at some capacity. If you're saying, hey, give the guy about 15 minutes a game, 20 minutes a game, yeah, that's about where I'm at. But after that, that ninth, tenth man – because this is where I'm at with JB, right? And we get, we're going to talk about him in a little bit too, because I really honestly feel like JB deserves some fucking recognition, uh, not only for allowing Craig Porter Jr. such a long leash in, in, in developing, you know, and being able to work some of these things out, right? But I feel legitimately like he's made up for some of the past mistakes, or he's at least starting to, right? The timeouts are coming in a little bit more timely, for lack of a better uh, lack of a better term, some of the out of bounds calls, right? Some of the play calls that he's drawn up, um, you know, those ATOs and whatnot. He's been doing a better job at that. And the, not to mention the fact that he's down some very, very high level rotation pieces right now in Karis, in Isaac, in Donovan. So you got to give the, uh, JB Bickerstaff some love. You got to praise him a little bit for that. Uh, but honestly, where I'm at with the rotation, it's got to be nine to 10. It has to be 9 to 10. No no less than that. I don't want to see fucking eight-man rotations anymore. You have the talent on your goddamn roster right now, JB. You have the, 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 the level of talent off your bench that you did not have over these past couple of seasons, right? You have it available to you. You have Karis LeVert out there. You have George Niang, who's going to be manning some of those minutes at the four. You have Craig Porter Jr. You have Isaac Okoro. Now, I know this is not going to be, uh, you know, a, a name that's highly touted right now just because he's not scoring Dean Wade. And, you know, and Dean Wade, for what it's worth, take it with a grain of salt, right? Eight rebounds tonight. The Cavs probably don't win the game tonight if they don't get some of those timely rebounds that Dean provided. The shot is going to come and go. He only took four attempts tonight. He still looks hesitant at times to pull the trigger. But the Cavs probably don't win that game without some of those rebounds. So he's going to have his moments where he probably deserves some run. Tristan Thompson, he provided some quality minutes out there tonight defending Joel Embiid, especially on that final possession, uh, you know, to close out regulation, which that's that shit scared me to death because that's the, you know, I I respect Tristan, right? I love Tristan. He's a champion. He's been there. He's done that. But I did not want to see an ISO uh, possession where Embiid is ISOing Thompson to win the game. I didn't want to see that, but guess what? It didn't fucking matter because Thompson did his job, right? So he is going to have spurts of which he is deserving of minutes. All in all, I say all this to say the Cavs have enough talent on their roster to easily go 9 to 10 deep. I know history tells us that playoff rotations shorten, 
But fuck it. What have you got to lose at this point? All our people are already calling for your job. People are impatient as hell. ESPN Cleveland is, you know, coming out with bullshit, uh, you know, a lot of the time in regards to, uh, you know, the outlook of the team. They just did that shit today with Dan Gilbert, right? Where, where clearly he hasn't been around the team because of the stroke and because of the loss of his son, you know, God rest his soul. But it just goes to show, right? Just just do what you what you can. And right now, in my opinion, you have the 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 ability to go nine to ten deep. It is a crime, or it will be a crime if Craig Porter Jr. rides the bench once this team gets healthy. And y'all know me; I've been a very very big supporter of JB Bickerstaff. But if this dude sits Craig after what we've seen in these past three games, I'm gonna lose my shit. This dude, man, like I, you guys will never see me calling for anybody's job, right? You will never see me calling for anybody's job, especially JB's, because I really feel like people have been very, very hard on him and unfair at unfair points throughout his coaching tenure with Cleveland. You know, some of the criticism has been warranted, but for the most part, I feel like JB has been better than I expected. And he's still growing and developing just like some of these players are. Coaches develop too. I, I I don't think people understand that concept that coaches are not just like ready-made things. Uh, you know, they're not ready-made people. They also develop just like the rest of us. But I say all that to say, I'm going to lose it if Craig Porter Jr. is placed on the Cavalier bench once Donovan, once Karras, once Isaac come back. You've got to figure out a way to get him out there. He's too damn vital. Yes, he's among the shorter side at 6'2", but he don't play like it. Dude plays like he's legitimately 6'6", 6'7". He plays like a wing out there. He plays like a small forward out there, grabbing boards, going up for blocks. He had a very nice block tonight again. Just continues to remind us why he, you know, why he was a block leader at Wichita State. It's just insane. Guys his size should not be able to do some of the things that he's been able to do. And as X Factor 2005 says down here, 56 rebounds on a nine man rotation is crazy. And, you know, that it's insane. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at the rebounding battle tonight. If I would have bet money on this, which I did, and I do have to say, I want some money. I feel good. That's another reason why I'm up here going crazy because Cleveland won me some money tonight. That's always good. Uh, But, uh, 56 rebounds, 14 of the offensive variety to Philadelphia's 44, who also got, you know, 14 of the offensive variety. And theirs came probably a little more timely, right? They got some key possessions, especially to close out that game. And if I have one, um, if I have one complaint about JB tonight, because I do honestly feel like he coached a wonderful game. Give him some props, right? But my biggest complaint from for tonight for him was leaving Dean Wade out there a little bit longer than he probably should have um, and and not inserting Craig Porter Jr. early enough when it was clear as fucking day that the Cavs needed another guy out there capable of putting the ball on the floor, right? Darius Garland, Darius Garland could not, uh, you know, do everything himself. They needed another shot creator out there. They needed another guy out there who could orchestrate the offense. So I, I did legitimately feel like, especially to close out that game, that Craig Porter Jr. probably should have entered a little bit earlier. Um, I get it, though. Uh, I, I can't complain too much. We won, right? We're on a winning streak now. 
And for those of you who are doomers, uh, you know, doom and gloom as the season started out, look, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I won't, I will not uh, patronize you too much, right? I won't belittle you too much. This has been a rough start to the season, uh, you know, for the Cavaliers from an injury perspective. But I will say there was a lot of people out there ready to jump ship, ready to call it quits, ready to turn their backs on some of these guys, especially this next guy that I'm about to talk about. And that, my friends, is none other than Darius fucking Garland, who people, for the life of me, people are saying, trade Darius Garland. Darius Garland's production don't matter, you know, He's not an all-star caliber player. All of these different things that have been said about Darius Garland have really pissed me off at certain points from people. And after this recent stretch that he's been able to put up, and I I think I pulled the stats up here yet again. Let me see. There we go. Darius Garland, first three games. This is the thing. This is the thing. Let's put some context to this. Darius Garland with the hammy, you know, the lateral quickness, really wasn't quite there. We've seen it the last two games, right, against Denver and Philly when he's actually looked like himself. But in those first three games, obviously, still trying to figure out how all these different pieces integrate with one another and then the hammy actually bothering him. His first three games, 17.7 points per game, six assists, 42.5% from the field, a poultry 8.3% from three-point distance, just one of 12, right? And then obviously the big sticking point here for many people, the five turnovers you know he he started the season out leading the league in turnovers basically but i'll look past that because in these last six games dude has been nothing short of phenomenal in the absence of uh, donovan mitchell in some of these and karis levert and others right 22 and this is factoring in tonight right this is factoring in tonight as well i made sure to update this um 22.7 points per game still six assists higher efficiency right 49 percent damn near Damn near 50% from the field, 41.9% from three-point distance. That's the one error on that uh, on that uh, stat sheet right there. And then what you love to see is he's decreasing these turnovers. He's limiting them. They're still going to come. Uh, you know, he is the lead guard, and he's going to have a very high utilization rate, and, you know, you're going to turn the ball over as guard. It's just going to happen, uh, you know, unless you're just – ungodly lucky at certain points like Craig Porter Jr., right? Who's barely turned the ball over. But defenses do not pay attention to Craig the same way they do Darius. I'll just say that, right? And, and that I say that because there are some people out there already suggesting that Craig Porter Jr. has a higher level of potential than Darius. When I just, look, I, I love the dude, but we got to cool it down a little bit because we're talking about an all-star talent guard in DG who does the one thing right now especially on the offensive end that Craig Porter Jr. just cannot. And that is knock down the three-point shot, and he does it really fucking well. Put some put some respect on Darius Garland's name. Put some respect on him. As Tune In One Sports Sound here says, yeah, people turning on DG was crazy. Like, he not him. Somebody literally fucking said that to me, Tune In. Somebody said he ain't him, <laughs> which is crazy. Like what? I don't know what you're expecting out of Darius at this point in time because he's performed very, very admirably uh, despite some of these injuries that the Cavs have had out there. And the one thing that I noticed tonight, the Cavs must have thought it was 2021, bro, because they, the lob passes were out there and they were plentiful. He was finding Jared Allen. He was finding Evan Mobley. 
the lobs were just there all day, especially for Jared. It was beautiful. It was honestly really reminiscent of that 2021-22 season in which he made the All-Star game. The All-Star game was held in Cleveland, right? All that good stuff. The COVID year, as a lot of people like to remember it as. Um, yeah, put some respect on, on, on our guy's name, right? Um, K-Dude says, I think he puts too much heat on his passes. Allen and Mobley sometimes have a hard time handling them. If you're if that is in regards to Darius Garland, I think that that comes and goes, right? He's still trying to figure out, uh, you know, these guys' movements because, believe it or not, Max Struess, his spacing that he's provided has kind of changed some of the angles out there for where, for where guys are going to be. Um, now, I do feel like there are still some lackadaisical passes on his part, uh, but the lobs, as Noah Heritage down here says. He makes throwing the lob look so easy. He really does. And this is the Darius Garland that I knew, right? This is the Darius Garland I knew and loved prior to the Donovan Mitchell acquisition, right? And that's not to throw shade at Donovan at all because I still think this backcourt can work with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. And I'm not going to be one of these people out here saying, oh, Craig Porter Jr. looks really good. Time to trade Donovan Mitchell. No. Chill out. (laughs) Uh, But... I cannot lie, man. They've they've functioned very very well together. I did not expect that development. I did not think that Donovan, uh, that Darius Garland and Craig Porter Jr. would look so well together. You know, they're both undersized, um, but one of them doesn't play undersized, and the other one is a very 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 good offensive talent in Darius Garland. All right, second straight game, I believe, finishing with thirty or more assists. Uh, which is wonderful. The ball movement in general has been absolutely wonderful. They finished with 33 assists tonight. But uh, yeah, man, the ball definitely has some electricity in it. The ball, it's just really moving. And it's not just Darius Garland and Craig Porter Jr. doing the job either. I was really, really impressed with Max Struess' ability to play make tonight. And oftentimes what I've seen from him is that he's a connective tissue kind of guy, like making the extra pass. He might get one and make a hockey assist or something like that. Uh, But some of the DHOs that he's been able to, you know, he's been able to run with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen at times, that's big time for this offense, right? You didn't necessarily have that last season. And Struess, he's a better playmaker than a lot of people tend to give him credit for myself included, because as I continue to say, like coming from Miami, I honestly feel, I honestly felt like we were just getting mostly a movement shooter who cut pretty well as well, but I didn't see the level of playmaking that he's been giving us. I didn't see the rebounding that he's been giving us. And you know, the defense, it's not Isaac Okoro level, right? It's not Craig Porter jr. Level, but it's still passable, which is, which is fine. It's as long as you're giving us, so much production in other avenues and he continues to fill up the stat sheet on his way to career highs across the board. Uh, Jose a says, I got my joy back, Mac. I really hope you did, man. Cause the Cavs, they've been wonderful these past couple of games. And then, again, it's one thing to beat up on the Portland's or the, the Detroit's of the world. It's a whole different story to go out there and pull off back-to-back victories against one, the defending champion Denver Nuggets, and two, a title contender uh, in the Philadelphia 76ers who have the reigning MVP, right? It's one thing to 
to, to go out there and, and just beat the teams you're supposed to beat. But when you go out there and get back-to-back statement victories without your full complement of players, that speaks volumes about what the potential of your team. Tonight's victory, although you know there are some games going on tonight, the Cavs are now, if I am not mistaken, uh, eight and six, I believe. I don't know. I, I could be wrong on that. I don't think Bleacher Report is necessarily updated their uh, you know their their stats on the game now, but I believe that they are now eight and six on this season. It drops Philly down to ten and four, if I am not mistaken. Pranav Sivaram says down here, CBJ basically filling Rubio role from 2021 uh, 22 season. And I have to say there are some aspects about that that I agree with. Uh Rubio was not afraid at all of taking that three-point shot, right? Um, definitely somebody who was out there benefiting from the lack of a secondary shot creator, especially after Colin Sexton went down, but Rubio, he didn't necessarily feel afraid of taking that three point shot. CBJ isn't doing that yet. And he's been more efficient and he's a better defender, right? Um, to say he's filling that role. Yes. Different type of player though. Um, Taylor says Cavs need to use Don as a play finisher and will look better than him playing point guard 50% of the time. Uh, yeah, I I think that there is some validity to that. And I've seen a lot of people saying, hey, you know, when Donovan Mitchell comes back, he better not be on that hero ball bullshit. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think he I don't think he tries to, right? I just believe that that's just part of who he is at times be, because of what the Cavs have required of him. Uh, yeah, especially to begin the season when you didn't have Darius out there, when, you know, Karras was your next best player, right? Uh, so Donovan by default basically was the offense. And I think I mentioned this uh, a couple of days ago on one of my earlier pods. Um, Donovan is basically providing 40, not 40, it was like basically 25% of the Cavs overall offensive production with what he's averaging. Cause I think he's at like 29.2 points per game. It's been a minute since I checked, but um, he's basically providing a fourth of the Cavalier offensive production. Uh, he isn't, he is a system unto himself. Uh, you know, uh, it kind of reminds me of re- reverse of what James Harden wants to be right at this point in his career saying, I'm not a system player. I am a system. Um, Donovan Mitchell is kind of the inverse of what, uh, of what Harden believes he is because you legitimately can make a case that Mitchell is a system unto himself. Does that mean that that's the, the way the cap should operate? No. Right. Obviously we see what the ball movement has been able to do in these uh, back-to-back victories. So if they can figure it out, and this is like my biggest complaint between Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell this, uh, this past season, not even just this year, because we haven't gotten a large sample size alongside some of the other pieces. Uh, but my biggest complaint was that there were far too many occasions in which they were kind of like, it's your turn, it's my turn, it's your turn, it's my turn, but they can never be on at the same time. You know, um, One of them would have a great game, the other one not so much, and vice versa. I saw somebody ask this question, um, what's Donovan's – percentage from the floor this year donovan is currently shooting 48.6 percent from the field and a little under 40 percent from three-boy distance he is easily having one of his most efficient seasons of his career 
and he he's been great, right? He prior to exiting, he's basically played like a top ten player. Whether or not you feel he is or not, he's he was playing like a top ten player. Carried carried the Cavs through some of those earlier victories that they had no business winning. Um, Brady Croft says, <clears throat> "Will Sharif ever come up to the Cavs?" No, that's an easy one. The Cavs, honestly, you know. Nothing against Sharif. I think that he is probably too good to be at the G League level, but I just don't see his fit here in Cleveland, um, especially considering that you have just unearthed another gym in Craig Porter Jr., so there's no real reason to to do that, right? I don't think he has, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't think he has any eligibility left on the 2A deal. That you know, I'm not a contracts guy. Don't ask me, but I don't think they can sign him to another 2A um, <clears throat> Brady Croft also says we need the Cavs to be able to operate at a higher level when teams actually try on defense or else it'll be the same result come playoffs. I mean, I guess if, if that's the takeaway tonight, you know, the, the Sixers did kind of clamp down, especially in that fourth quarter. Right. But what I can say is that once you do get Donovan back, once you do get Karras back, you do have more shot creators to lean on. Because as I as I mentioned earlier, um, for a large portion of that fourth quarter, Dean Wade was was your you know he was out there when he probably shouldn't have been, and Craig Porter Jr., one of the Cavs' only other guys capable of putting the ball on the floor, uh, you know, and orchestrating the offense, he didn't enter until well into the fourth and in overtime he came in with a little little um over two minutes left to play if i'm not mistaken that doesn't happen when Karras and donovan are back you have more options and so the defense is not going to be able to just key in on darius garland so easily um man it's just it's been a great start man great start to the season in some aspects and not so great in others. The injuries obviously are definitely something to take into consideration when you're talking about our overall record, but the mere fact that they've been able to kind of get past it is phenomenal. And I think it's a credit to JB Biggerstaff. Tune in says if CBJ starts shooting the three ball, it's over. I concur. CBJ gets the three ball. You have to play him no matter what. He'll play over Isaac Okoro. You heard me say it. I won't repeat it, but if that's the case, if he develops that three ball, you have every bit reason to play him over Isaac. Um, Pat Beverly was hyped after all two of his points. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would be hyped too if my points came at one of the more pivotal points in the game, but I get it. Um, K-Dude says, what do you feel about the possibility of converting CBJ and calling a guy like Travers or that center, I'm assuming you mean Khalifa Diop, to a two-way and monitor them more closely? Um, I mean, I would love to see more of Luke Travers, but I just, I fail to see a, a reality in which that happens, to be honest. I think Travers is kind of where he's at right now over there with Australia, you know, Perth, I think he's still with Perth, you know, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Uh, Dean did get some key rebounds for us, says Tony to turn. Yes, he did. I mentioned this earlier. Dean's shot is not falling, right? It's going to come and go. I think it's a confidence issue at certain certain levels, right? But as long as he's out there playing defense, as long as he's out there rebounding the basketball, it's kind of hard to not play him, especially when you just don't have a ton of size out there 
at the at the three and four positions, right? With Niang technically, you know, being undersized and Max Juice obviously being undersized. Um, relax. Sensation says starters: Garland, Mitchell, Allen, Mobley, Struce, Bench, Coro, Levert, Niang, Porter. We pretty deep. Indeed, we are. I I second that notion. Garland, Mitchell, um, Struce, Allen, Mobley. That's your starting five. Your bench, as you say, Okoro, Levert. Levert is your sixth man, but I get it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Not necessarily the order, but I get it. Um, Okoro, Levert, Niang, Porter. That's nine deep. That's perfectly fine to me. If I had to pick a nine-man rotation, that would be my nine-man rotation. Um, Porter and Levert playing together will be nice. Yeah, it will. I guess my question would be in regards to how that would fit. Because we've actually seen it. We've gotten some tape already, right? But um, I, I do wonder without being... Uh, without having the ball in his hands so much, what Craig Porter Jr. could potentially look like, especially without the three-point shot, right? If I don't know what JB is going to elect to, you know, which job or which responsibility he would give to Karras once everybody comes back, because Karras, we all know um, <laughs> he's prone to over dribbling, but he's still a pretty damn good playmaker off that bench. And he is an excellent shot creator in his own right. And he probably operates best with the ball in his hands. But the great thing about Karras is that we know that he has become a better off ball shooter. Uh, he did experience a career high from three point distance this past season and, you know, he's started off very, 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 very well from an offensive standpoint this year while still providing underrated defense, I'll add. Um, Jeff wishes, thank you for clarifying that. He's in Melbourne. This is in reference to um, Luke Travers, by the way. He's in Melbourne having them at the top of the NBL. He'll be great for us when he comes. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked what I saw out of him after the, out of the two previous summer league appearances that we've seen from him. Um, but he still has a little bit of seasoning that needs to take place. Uh, Tune in sports says, usually I'd be hating on kneeing floaters, but I like his minutes this game and he even got some rebounds. He's actually averaging, if I am not mistaken, Niang is averaging a career high in rebounds this season um, at 3.8 boards per game. I think that's a career high for him, but the main thing that I've been impressed with him as the latest, he's actually knocking down that three-point shot, right? he's doing the job that we paid him for essentially um he's spacing the floor defenses are respecting him what more can i ask out of him and he's not he's not a total liability on the defensive end he's still you know a net positive in my opinion um brady croft says double t is a key piece to this team to be honest he's our only bench big yeah we've already seen him give he he had it tonight right he had a pretty nice block on him uh Pretty nice block out there in addition to uh, face guarding Joel Embiid on the final possession of regulation because uh, that could have easily been a game winner. It wasn't, though. So props to Tristan Thompson for that. Jay Quest says, JB should experiment with Bates in for Wade here and there. Um, I think that will probably occur as the year goes on, especially with Bates uh, with his two-way eligibility, right? There may be, in fact, games that you see Amani Bates uh, and you don't see Dean Wade. But the thing working in Wade's favor, obviously, is the position, right? Wade is a power forward and he can give you minutes to three. And in small spurts, he can also give you minutes as a backup five. Don't want, it, don't want that to be the case 
all too often, but he's versatile enough to go three through five in ways that Amani is not, right? Amani is a big-ass two-guard. He's a three. That's probably his positional outlook is a three, right? A small forward. Dean Wade has that leg up on him in this rotation because of of what is required. Um, Shot-making, especially when the Cavs are fully healthy, is not necessarily something that they lack, right? Um, maybe three point shooting, but not necessarily shot creation. Um, <clears throat> Relax sensation says Craig going to be undrafted. Good store in the NBA. 100% man, 100%. And I, I keep saying this, man, it's time to push the rookie of the year agenda for Craig Porter jr. Right. To me, I don't think it's too early to say that. Three straight double-digit scoring affairs. Now, obviously, Wimby, Chet, those guys, they're going to get all the love in regards to the Rookie of the Year race. But I think that there is a real uh, a real case to be made that Craig, as long as he's given a high amount of minutes, right, that he could be up there. He could be in the top five. Uh, Tony Tuturant says Craig has that Mamba mentality. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not a shooter, right? But he knifes his way inside. He's aggressive. He attacks. I love it. So from that aspect, yes, I love it. He he has that killer instinct out there that some of these guys just don't, right? Um, You either have it or you don't. It's innate. People kill LeBron all day in regards to that killer instinct versus a guy like Kobe or MJ. Uh, But Craig has it. He's not afraid of the moment at all. Same thing with um, Amani Bates that we've seen, right? These The moment is not too big for these guys. And if you would have told me to begin the season, right, that uh, Craig Porter Jr. would have found minutes over Amani, I would have agreed with that, but I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily have thought that Amani would basically be glued to the bench while Craig is taken off, right? Craig is now playing 20 plus minutes per game. Amani is not seeing action. He did. I don't think he actually took the floor tonight. So, um, you know, two diamonds in the rough, perhaps two steals. I still believe that Amani Bates has the potential to be the steal of the draft, right? Because he was actually selected. But Craig Porter Jr. has the potential to be maybe one of the steals of the entire offseason. And I don't think so. Um, Brady Golf, that's a good question, man. Um, Tony Tucson says, uh, let me find that. Sorry. Are we overreacting with Porter like Jeremy Lin? No, I don't believe we are. Um, Jeremy Lin's run was a lot different, in my opinion. Craig Porter Jr. is a two-way player, not only in contract, but in his actual style of play, right? Craig plays defense as well. He's not a shooter either. Jeremy Lin was a much better shooter, right, than, than Craig Porter Jr. is. <laughs> but uh yeah definitely some similarities with linsanity and um and what's going on with porter jr right now i don't know like if, if somebody's already coined some type of um some type of phrase in regards to craig porter jr right now but um i would love to hear it if they have might have to think of one myself um tony Tuturn also says love this channel i'm definitely subscribing I appreciate that, man. I really do. I encourage anybody else who may be watching tonight to, you know, throw me a thumbs up, 
like and subscribe, you know, all that good stuff that uh, us podcasters generally say, yada, yada, yada. But uh, I definitely appreciate it, Tony. Thank you. Um, K Dude says, no, CBJ has the skills and knowledge. I think, honestly, that, uh, you know, I don't want to hate on Jeremy Lin because that Lin Sanity run was crazy. And it came at a, at a much different NBA, right? The NBA was a much different place than it is now. But, uh, yeah, I was really pulling for Jeremy. I really had hoped that he would have sustainability in the NBA, but he kind of bounced around after that, right? Um, but, man, overall in the night, just just a phenomenal showing from everybody across the board, even Dean, right, from a rebounding and defensive perspective. For me, tonight, I would probably say my players of the game – Sorry, Darius, I can't give it to you, even though you led the captain scoring. My players of the game tonight are Craig Porter Jr. and Jared Allen. Uh, I don't know who got the Junkyard Dog Award. Maybe you guys can let me know. Haven't had the opportunity to actually check since I'm over here. But um, those are my players of the game. Craig Porter Jr. with his 12 points and nine assists and just ultra efficiency from the floor. And, um, you know, carefree you know turnover free basketball and then jared allen his ability to um you know to play decent level of defense on the reigning mvp right you're not going to stop joel Embiid. you're not going to stop joel Embiid. he's going to get his the the real thing that you have to think is about uh containing him right because tonight he finished with 32 points 13 rebounds and Crazily enough, Embiid, man, this dude is probably, uh, you know, he, he's putting up stat lines very similar to Nikola Jokic in regards to facilitation, right? Embiid is moving the ball really, really well this season. He's literally averaging over six assists per game. That is double his career average. This man is literally averaging damn near double his career average. Yes, he is a free throw merchant, <laughs> as uh, K Dude says down here. I hate it, right? How can you, how do you defend this guy without fouling him? Because anytime you breathe in his general vicinity, it's a fucking foul. But um, I respect his ability to do that, right? Um, it, it's very similar to what we've said about, you know, SGA at, per, at points. It's very similar to what we've, the criticisms that we've heard of James Harden at certain points of his career. Um, guys who are just able to draw free throws at an alarming rate and just seem to have an endless whistle out there. I don't know what they've done to to gain favor with the refs, but you know, Embiid, whatever he's done, he's been able to he's been able to get a a good whistle out of them. So Craig Porter Jr. to me, player of the game, Jared Allen right up there for his ability to contain um, Joel Embiid and. I guess that's yeah, Trey Birch, uh Trey Young. <laughs> I was gonna say Trey Merchant, Jesus. Trey Young, free throw merchant as well. Yeah, uh Trey is no stranger to those allegations, right? Um, just as we've labeled, uh, and I'll say we very lightly because it ain't me that was doing this, but as a fan base, many Cavaliers fans were labeling Jared Allen soft, the same way that Jared has gotten those soft allegations, Trey has gotten those free throw merchant allegations. But easily tonight, probably my uh, one of my favorite games of the season. Not the best because I, I still feel like the win, the wins at Golden State, and then last this last game against Denver. These were wonderful performances. But when you can take every 
everything into consideration. You know, the fact that Donovan Mitchell is not out there, who's still widely regarded in many circles to be Cleveland's best player, right? And I don't really think we can argue against that. Um, and, you know, still not having Karras, still not having Isaac, uh, and you're still beating some of the best teams in the league. That is not something that I had on my bingo card, ladies and gentlemen. People were legitimately, including myself, people were legitimately worried about some of these matchups that the Cavs have had as of late. Uh, you know, and now walking into, you know, the Miami matchup tomorrow and then the matchup against LA, you feel really good. As I'm looking at this schedule, man, uh, obviously you have Miami tomorrow, you have LA, the Lakers, you have Toronto, you have the Hawks, you have the Blazers, Pistons. This Cavs team could easily go on probably one of their best winning streaks of this season if they just continue to give this level of uh, this level of effort if you can beat the nuggets if you can beat the 76ers surely you can beat most of these opponents who are in front of you uh tune in sports one says philly and denver these wins are legit yes they're they when you look at the film of these two games you should feel really good about it right you can come back to these games as sticking points for what you need to do to get the job done. Um, yes, K Dude says, fun fact, I just checked eight and six start to last season two. Yes, just a little different, right? Um, just a little different because if I'm not mistaken, they went on, was it a five or six game win streak after the Darius Garland um, poke by Gary Trent Jr.? Fuck that guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. Um, I think there was a very – the record is similar, but the way that they were getting to that record is very different in my opinion. Um, Dennis D1122 says, let them know. And I think that's a great point to close this episode out, guys. Thank you for joining me tonight. As I know, this this post-game pod was kind of all over the place with the reactions down here. But, man, I really do appreciate you guys. Um, you know, make sure to like, make sure to subscribe. I would definitely appreciate it. And as I always tell you, if you'd like to reach out to me, you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you want to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to It's Cavalier53 at gmail.com, and I'll send you an invite. That said, go Cavs on to Miami.